He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now, he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. New York. Good to talk to you. This is Dick Morris. Uh, born in New York. Grew up here. Public schools the whole time. College at Columbia. And, um... One of these days, I learned to turn off my phone. <laughs> um, college at Columbia, lived here till I was 35, and uh, adored this city, loved this city. I'm composed of this city, and it is in crisis. It is in terrible, terrible danger of falling apart, of going the way of Chicago and ultimately the way of Detroit, uh, becoming a, a whole uh, rather than a city. So we're going to start by talking about the mayor's race. You know, I ran campaigns for Moynihan and 20 other senators and governors in the country and 14 foreign presidents and uh, for Bill Clinton and for Trump. So um, I can talk about it a little bit with some authority. And uh, let me talk about the politics and how this race is shaping up, obviously shaken up by the Scott Stringer scandal. So call 800-848-9227, 800-848-9227, I'm sorry, pardon me, 800-848-9222, that's 9222, which is 9ABC, 800-848-9ABC. This is Talk Radio 77 WABC, and this is Dick Morris. So... The pollsters don't really know how to survey this race because it's the first time that we've had three possible choices on the ballot. Normally, you vote three times only in the graveyard in Chicago. You dig up dead bodies and you cast three votes. But this time, it's legal in New York City, and you vote your first choice, your second choice, and your third choice. Now, if the first choice doesn't win a majority, your vote counts for your second choice. And if they don't win a majority, your vote counts for the third choice, and um, so on down the line. After three three strikes, you're out, and if none of your candidates get a majority, you're out of luck, but um, inevitably somebody will. And it totally changes the political process, because most polls are who do you vote for, and that's okay, but now you say who's your second choice, who's your third choice, and people don't think that way unless they actually have to when they're in the voting booth. And most people don't know about the new voting system, so they have no real idea uh, about why, what the system is and where they fit in it. So there's a poll that just came out that uh, attempts to measure things in this new environment. And um, it was uh, uh, sponsored by um, a school choice organization, uh, student First NY, and uh, it's uh, it was conducted by a pretty good polling firm, um, whose name I don't see, but in any case, I know those guys, and they're pretty accurate. So with when they just asked, who are you going to vote for? Yang was in first place at 22, and Adams was in second place at 17, which represented a slip by... by Yang and again by Adams. But then when they did it in the ranking, which is the way it really is, should be done, 
Yang went from 22 to 26, and Adams went from only 17 to 20. So the ranking in the vote, as it would appear on the machine, would be Yang 26, Adams 20, with Stringer at 17 before he imploded. So the message here is very important. Not only does it show that Yang is the frontrunner, it shows that he's the frontrunner for second-place votes. That that And in this city, that's very important. You know, I, I ran a campaign once for Raphael Odinga, who got elected prime minister of Kenya. And back then, you need to know what the uh, what the Kawawi tribe is doing and the, each of the tribes in Kenya. Well, New York City's a little bit worse. There's the black tribe, the Latino tribe, the Asian tribe, the white conservative Jewish side, the white reform liberal Jewish uh, tribe. Each of these are tribes, and they each will cast their vote for their first choice candidate. But then the question is, when they run out of people of their ethnic group, who's their third choice or their second choice? And that's very important. Yang starts off with a base of probably about 10 to 12 percent of the vote cast by Asian Americans. Uh, they're 14 percent of the population, but they vote less than they than their share of the population. But if Yang is running, they may come out in significant numbers, just like Obama increased black turnout substantially. Uh, but you have Adams running as the black candidate, and his opponent in that is uh, Maya Wiley, who is running as the it was the other black candidate, used to be the Human Rights Commissioner. And then you have two Latino candidates, Garcia and Morales. And then you have Yang as the Asian candidate, and you have uh, Scott Stringer and um, Sean Donovan as the uh, kind of Jewish-white candidates. Uh, more white than Jewish. Donovan's Irish, of course. But, uh, but the, their, that's kind of their group. But the problem is, who is their second choice? Who is their third choice? So let's say you're a Latino and you're Latina, and you're going to vote for Garcia in first place and Morales in second place. Okay, but then when no Latino makes the runoff, who are you going to vote for in third place? And that's going to be a key question, because those two are not going to make the final cut, but the third choice candidate will, probably. And this poll would indicate that that would likely be Yang. Now, this whole field got thrown up into chaos with Scott Stringer's, uh, the accusation that Scott Stringer sexually harassed uh, a, a woman who worked for him, Jean Kim, who worked for him for, 20, for 10 years. This happened 20 years ago. And this was not your Andrew Cuomo-style harassment where he talked, uh, he talked to her, he asked her for dates, he uh, was suggestive, he cracked dirty jokes around her, that kind of stuff. Now, this was one step below rape. She says he actually fondled her, reached his hand down her blouse, reached his hand up her skirt, grabbed her thighs, all kinds of stuff like that. And we're talking here about something that is far more in common with rape than with mere sexual harassment. And I don't think Stringer is going to survive that. And he even indicated in his press conference that the chances are that there might be other women who might come forward because he said, I was single and I dated a lot of people. 
and um, and he implied that the line between consensual and non-consensual in his case was a little bit blurry. I can understand that because one look at Scott Stringer, who would ever consent to have sex with him, but somebody apparently did occasionally, and uh, he when they didn't, he took the liberty of doing what he wanted with people, and that is really a no-no, and it's going to badly hurt his campaign. I think he's going to have to withdraw, and if he doesn't, he'll limp along. He'll suffer the same fate as Andrew Weiner did uh, in, when he uh, was accused of sexually harassing people online who worked for him in Congress, uh, and, or and people who he never met. But And he'll drop down and end at an insignificant vote share. But where are his votes going to go? Um, I think most likely for Yang. This poll pretty well indicates that Yang is the second-place choice. And you have a lot of free-floating votes out there that are going to be released that would normally go to Stringer. In the last poll, he's at 17 for first place, uh, and uh, I'm sure he's a little higher than that. Uh, But now he's lower than that. Now he's in probably in single digits. And, you know, Elton John characterized the polling as too low for zero. I think that's where Stringer is headed. So I believe that Yang is going to win this race. And I believe that Yang is going to be the next mayor. It was fascinating when Yang said that he would pick Garcia as his chief of staff. Uh, Garcia, who is the sanitation commissioner and kind of Ms. Fixit, who really ran the city agencies well. Amazing that he actually crossed over and said, I would take one of my opponents as my chief of staff, it shows how unconventional and refreshing Andrew Yang is. We're going to a break, and when we come back, let me take your phone calls. I probably stirred up some hornet's nest out there. And uh, call me at uh, 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. 800-848-9ABC. Talk to you soon. He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now, he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. Hi, Dick Morris. We're talking about the mayor's race in New York City. And we'll uh, take your phone calls about it in a minute. But um, first, the commercial for the Patriot Gold Group. There's no inflation going on, the government says, and they're quite sure about that. But, uh, of course, the consumer price index is going up by 7%. The producer price index by 6%. Gas has gone up 35% since the election. Lumber has gone has doubled in cost since the election. Even Coca-Cola is raising its prices. Inflation is happening, guys, much as the government would like you not to believe that it's happening. And uh, the... The point is that when you spend the amount of money Biden is spending, $6 trillion, and at the same time he's raising taxes, so producers will produce less and people will provide fewer services. So when your demand goes way up and your supply is repressed, what happens? Inflation, inflation, inflation. That's why you might want to call the Patriot Gold Group and get their no-fee-for-life IRA. Uh, we, because gold has gone up by 40% last year, by 25% last year, silver by over 40%. So call the Patriot Gold Group at 
800-358-4470. That's 800-358-4470. And uh, give them a call and tell them that you're interested in gold because you want to protect yourself against inflation. Okay, so we talked about how Stringer, I think, is is uh, being hamstrung, if you will, a string, and I think that he's likely, I think, to drop out of the race. And that the poll that we just conducted, what we just read, indicated that Yang is a very strong candidate for second port, second place. But uh, let's go to Al, who doesn't agree with me. Uh, this is Ralph, actually. Uh, thank you for taking my call, Mr. Dick Morris. Thanks for making I remember it. when you have a radio program uh, in uh, Philadelphia in the afternoon oh, hours. Wow. Hey, and cool. I have talk- yeah. Yeah, and I talked to you uh, back then. Uh, how are you, uh, Dick? I'm doing fine. Glad to be on okay. in New York. Now, now, give me a breakdown, because you're only giving us one side of this whole thing. Give me a breakdown on the Republican side. We know of two people running there. Fernando Mateo. I got to tell you, it doesn't make Lewa. any difference. Republicans not going to win this election. Uh, the only time a Republican has a shot is if there's a Democratic candidate who gets nominated who everybody hates and who somehow makes it across the finish line. If de Blasio were running for re-election and he won the Democratic primary, a Republican could beat him. A Republican could beat Cuomo right now. But um, I don't think that it's very likely that he could do well. I mean, let, let, thank you, Al. Let me, let me go on to Terry. Um, Terry, how, how are you? Thanks for calling. Terry, you there? Oh, hi, Dick. Hey. Um, this is unbelievable. These are Right now, folks, two of the greatest political minds on the face of the earth are now speaking. And you got to look at what the agenda is for these uh, mayoral candidates. I mean, if they want to teach uh, young school children that um, white people in America are the all word, that's child abuse. And if you want to get rid of the merit system, that also is a form of abuse to children because a lot of kids out there working hard, and I get to tell them, like in the special schools, the um, the Bronx High School Sciences or the Brooklyn Techs, there's no more merit system. Don't That's my children. But also, I want to know about the independents now. Independent party, I'm not talking about the party, I'm talking about a candidate coming in as an independent. Could a Pat Buchanan become mayor of New York City no. in a time like now? I'm not talking about famine no, or atomic. Uh, only uh, if, uh, only if the Democrat is so unacceptable. But um, any of these candidates would be able to hold the Democratic vote. Uh, and I think Yang will be the nominee, and I think Yang will uh, do very well and win. I think he'll save New York City. Let's go to Larry. Hey, Larry. The other guy pretty much asked my question, but I'll just ask the corollary. Now, on the issue of crime, is that is that a red herring? I mean, in the sense that are people really in New York so liberal that they really don't care as much about crime, oh, even no. if it devastates you? What? No, 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 no. Uh, crime is number one in the polls. Uh, it's the single biggest concern, and they're attempting to give them palliatives about crime, uh, saying that, oh, you don't have to worry about it. We'll, we're trying, we're going to get guns off the street. We're going to do great stuff like that. Uh, and uh, none of those are solutions. Um, in the next segment, uh, starting at about um, half, it's starting a little bit after 1230, we'll talk about each of the candidates' positions on crime and how most of them will actually increase crime, not decrease them. Let's go to uh, Erica who I think is for Ray McGuire. 
Hey, Erica. Well, actually, I am a registered Republican, okay. um, and I, uh, the candidates that we have running, I actually, I agree with you. Uh, I really don't think they're qualified more than that. I, I don't think they have a chance to win at all based on what you said. Uh, and as far as uh, Yang is concerned, he probably has a good chance. But I'm just curious as to your opinion of Ray McGuire. Well, I think he's good. I think he's a spokesman for the business community. I think that's great. It's good to see an African-American in that role. I think that he's been criticized heavily for some of uh, his bank's practices and uh, some of their discriminatory lending and perhaps even the implication that he might have made out well in the bonuses that were paid after the subprime crisis scandal. I don't know the facts about that. But I think he would make a very good mayor. I think he's very qualified. But he's no Andrew Yang. The important point about Yang is that his base is the Asian-American community. And the Asian-Americans are a distinct and important group uh, that I think can lead New York out of disaster. The median income for white households in the U.S. is 68000 For Asian households, it's 99000 And on the uh, high school specialized tests that I think Terry was or somebody else was talking about, Asians just got 53% of the places. Whites, 25, and blacks, like, 4, and Latinos, 4 or 5. Uh, this is a group that does not feel victimized, does not engage, doesn't want to engage in woke politics, and um, hardworking, uh, save their money, and they've now grown to 14% of the population in New York. And I think they, in coalition with some of the people who might have voted for Stringer, uh, and some of the business community types and some of the white Catholic out-of-borough voters, uh, I think that uh, Yang could put it together. Let's go to um, let's go to Sam, who is uh, v- voting, I think, for my former colleague, uh, Curtis. Hey, Sam. Three-minute stations. We, we don't have Sam. So... Um, what we're we're talking about the mayor's race here, and uh, I really feel that New York is on the verge of a dramatic change. If Yang became the mayor, I think it would be free of ideology. I think he would not subscribe to this woke nonsense. I think he could really change New York fundamentally, and restore the city that we all love that is going away at hurtling away at record speed. So um, I'm feeling pretty good about that. So um, give me when we come back, I'm going to talk about the various issues and the stands the candidates have. I, you know, ABC had a debate last week, and four candidates showed up, not Yang. And uh, they all talked about their positions on the issues. And we taped them, and we're going to play some of those back, and I'll comment on it. So stick around. Thanks for listening. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Hey, this is Dick Morris. Uh, We're talking the mayor's race. And um, give me a call at 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. 800-848-9ABC. We're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. So we had a debate here at ABC on Wednesday, and uh, we had uh, Donovan came, 
and McGuire came, and Garcia came, and um, and Wiley came, and the other the others didn't show up. Uh, it's disappointing that neither Yang nor um, nor Stringer decided to show up. But Stringer, I guess, had problems of his own. Uh, he could see the the storm coming. So we taped their comments, and we're going to play some of them back, and we're going to hear Mayor Morris's take on these issues. Okay, so let's start with Donovan. Let's begin with the fact that for too long, we have had policies like bail in place that have criminalized poverty, that have landed far too many of our young people uh, in prison for too long when they haven't even been convicted of a crime. And that is something that needs to end. And I am supportive of the direction that we've moved. Yuck. Uh, Mr. Donovan. Would you like to be out on the street with your family and greet these folks as they get out of jail uh, without having been released without bail, uh, literally catch and release? Uh, I wouldn't like that. Uh, we know what the recidivist rates are. We know that after people are convicted and go to jail, 50% of them commit another felony within six months or so. And in terms of over several years, it's it's even higher. So... When So, number one, we need to keep them locked up uh, for public safety. Number two, about 80% of those that aren't held on bail skip. They don't show up for trial. Uh, this is the last time we ever see them until we stop them for tr- a speeding ticket or something. And then we look it up and we say, hey, yeah, this guy's wanted for murder or for armed robbery. So the only way to protect the public is cash bail. And when you say it's criminalizing poverty, that is so ridiculous. Yeah, it is true that a large portion of them are African-Americans, but 85% of the murders are committed by African-Americans against African-Americans. 80% of the dead bodies are black. So don't give me this nonsense. You You let them go, you attack other people. Let's uh, hear what McGuire had to say about that. We need to reform the entire system, which we're in the process of doing. And bail reform is one indication of that. We need to adjust bail reform for the case that you cited. The second case that you cited where someone was out and committed a similar crime or a different crime a few hours later. So the system needs to be adjusted. We understand why we have bail reform. I think we've agreed that given the case of Cleve Broder that we need to keep it. But given the other case that you've identified, we need to make certain that we adjust it. And we need to adjust it at a moment in time when crime is soaring and we feel a lot less safe on our streets. The case that he was talking about was one that Governor Patterson named him of a guy who committed a crime at 1130 in the morning, uh, was arrested at 1145, was released at 2.30, and committed another crime at 5 o'clock. <laughs> he, had, he has an, an alarm clock. Uh, and um, good for McGuire in being the only candidate to say that this policy of no bail needs to be adjusted. And that means adjusted for the threat the guy poses, the nature of the crime he or she committed, the uh, likelihood of his not showing up based on his past record, if he skipped out on previous bench warrants, all that stuff. And uh, good for McGuire for understanding that. So now let's uh, go to Wiley, and we're going to talk with her about police reform. We have a bloated police department and spend 
a billion dollars reallocated from the police department to wrap around the programs that take folks who are in need of jobs, in need of secure housing, in, in need of training, in need of mental health services, and make sure they're getting the supports they need so that they don't feel they have to go out and commit a crime. What's bloated is the list of candidates running for mayor, because it includes people who say crazy things like that, like you are. Um, the fact is that the that if we think the police department is bloated, um, we don't think the crime. Uh, we think the crime is bloated, and the amount of crime increased has been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the number of murders in New York City has gone up by at least forty percent this year. The number of gun crimes has gone up by at least fifty percent, uh, and the only solution to that is police. And we'll talk a little bit later about other suggestions for reforming them. But fewer police uh, is not the answer, uh, Maya. It's really not. Okay, let's go to, um, let's go to, back to Donovan, uh, who's going to talk with us a little bit about, uh, his views on, um, on defunding the police. I have the only clear plan in this race to get to investing $3 billion from our criminal justice budget into our communities by the end of my first term. That's great. Your solution is to take a billion dollars away from the police. That's about uh, 15% of their budget and move it to other places. That's terrific. The more crime, the fewer police. That makes a lot of sense, Mr. Donovan. Okay, now let's go to uh, Donovan again. No, I'm sorry. Uh, let's go to um, another, I'm sorry, uh, Garcia on the issue of defunding. That's why my plan includes $18 million in a participatory justice fund that the community directs to its solutions, doubling the number of summer youth programs in our communities that need those summer jobs and making sure we are addressing mental health because that's not a job for the police. Okay. So let me ask you this question, Ms. Garcia. Uh, you get, there's a guy on the street who's approaching you with a gun. Uh, who are you going to call, a summer job or a cop, a mental health worker or a cop? Uh, a cop is armed and trained and able to deal with crime. And there are times you need a cop and a mental health professional and a social worker and a, sky, a kid with a summer job just won't cut it. So your plan to switch $18 million from cops to that kind of garbage is, uh, I think, ridiculous. Um, now, uh, let's go to uh, Garcia again, and we'll talk about the issue of privilege, of the immunity, of uh, the immunity that cops enjoy against being sued. I have said that we needed to end qualified immunity, and I'm going to be consistent in that because it's the right thing to do. I understand personal liability, but we should, we should, in fact, end qualified immunity. So I'm in agreement with that. When it comes to public safety, listen, uh, gun violence is up more than 100 percent. That was McGuire. I'm sorry. My mistake. Okay, here's the deal. In 1960, uh, in 1960-something, uh, 69, the Supreme Court ruled that police officers can have qualified immunity from being held liable for their actions personally. 
So if they shoot somebody or they abuse somebody, uh, they cannot personally be sued. The department can be sued and is and has to pay out large amounts of money, and they do, but the individual cop can't. Well, let's look at it. Cops are not rich people. They exist on relatively minimal salaries, uh, 50, 60, 70,000 a year at most, and they don't have a vast amount of savings. And if a cop has to think before he discharges his weapon that maybe he's going to lose his house and his job and his pension and have a tax, a judgment lien against him, he'll never be able to repay. Basically lose the rest of his life and his family security. He's not going to pull that trigger. It doesn't matter if you have a gun, if another guy has a gun to your head and he's trying to save you, he's not going to do that. And he's not going to really hit anybody either or tackle them or push them or risk um, scarring them uh, because he'll spend his life being terrified of being sued. Look at what malpractice has done to doctors in our system. It's made the cost of medicine go crazy. Uh, it's made doctors think twice before they give appropriate treatments that people need. And it's created a whole industry of medical malpractice insurance, uh, that MedMal, that basically consumes about a third of our healthcare dollars. You want the same thing for cops? But it won't happen because cops are not going to be able to buy that insurance. They don't have the money for the premiums. And insurance companies aren't going to be willing to write it. And what they're planning to do is to end the qualified immunity under the 1983 section of the Civil Rights Bill. And what's unique about the 1983 section is unlike other, other laws where the attorney is only allowed a third of the verdict uh, as his compensation, the 1983 law gives him two and three times the verdict as an allowable fee. So it's the best game in town. Lawyers spend their lives praying that they can get a 1983 action that they can bring. And the result is that any time, any time a cop lays a hand on anybody, if a cop causes somebody to stub his toe, much less shoot him, they're going to sue him. And, okay, if he's innocent, he has no problem. Wrong. When you get sued at this level, it costs you about half a million dollars in depositions, in lawyers' fees, in court costs, in filing fees, even if you're innocent and even if you did not initiate the action. So basically, no matter what you did, if you get sued, you're, you're toast, you're dead. And uh, cops understand that. And if you strip everybody of qualified immunity, you might as well fire your entire police force because they are not going to do you any good at all. Um, it's an absurd, ridiculous thing. Now, Garcia has some thoughts on immunity. Let's hear what she says. Immunity is good for the virus, but not for the PD. I do support qualified immunity. I would say it's more of a symptom. If you actually are holding your police commissioner accountable for discipline and for transparent discipline, that is really where accountability starts. So I just want to be clear. You don't feel that it should have ended qualified immunity? No, I feel like it should have ended. Oh, you feel like it should have But ended. I actually think that it was not where the systemic problem was. Yeah. How's that for contradicting yourself in 60 seconds? Um, yeah, but the qualified immunity has got to continue. Otherwise, you, don't, you can't use your police force. 
Now, um, the other issue that I think is pretty important here is everybody is talking about gun control, and they all talk about the dangers of guns, getting guns off the streets, and uh, and it ultimately they ignore the solution to the gun problem, which is the old stop-and-frisk policy that was eliminated. Uh, so let's uh, – who do we have here talking about guns? I don't see it, but um, okay. A lot of them waxed eloquent about – let's go to Donovan on gun control, please. I do believe there are cases that require discretion. For, for judges, that's what we've seen in New Jersey and, and others with uh, progressive reform uh, on bail and other areas. And I do think it's worth a discussion to look at. Well, yeah, but many of these candidates wax eloquent about the iron chain of guns coming into us to city and, uh, and how terribly threatening it is. Um, Donovan on crime, number five, please off our street, and we need a leader who has the deep relationships outside of New York from exactly where the guns are coming from to end the scourge of gun violence in this city. We ended the scourge of gun violence in New York City. We set an example for the United States that was enduring and significant, and we then screwed it up. We had the stop, question, and frisk policy, and uh, it ended in 2014. In 2011, we stopped 700,000 people on the streets of New York, questioned them, and if necessary, frisked them. If they were carrying a gun, a loaded gun, without a license, they were arrested on the spot and sent to jail for three years, mandatory minimum sentence of three years. And the result was that guns disappeared from the streets of New York City. Nobody had guns. Uh, gang members would make damn sure that they didn't carry guns because they didn't want to be busted and have to go to jail for three years. Everybody jumped all over themselves not to carry guns, and gun violence dropped enormously. And, and yeah, let's hear what Ms. Garcia has to say about this. We have to also work with our federal partners on ensuring that we are talking to ATF and stopping the flow of illegal guns into the city. You're never going to stop it, but you can stop them from being used on people by going to the ultimate source, the criminal who's going to use it, and stop them from doing it. Give you some stats. In 1960, before there was stop and frisk, there were 4.7 homicides per 100,000 people. In 1991, uh, it soared up to 31 per 100,000 people. And that's when they brought in stop and frisk, 31 in 91. And in 2013, it had dropped to 3.3. The murder rate literally dropped by 90%. And the gun violence rate was even more significant than its drop. And the liberals killed the policy. The court ruled it unconstitutional. It doesn't have to be unconstitutional. You can administer it in a way where it's not. And they said that blacks and people of color are the overwhelming majority of those who were stopped. Well, damn right they were. Uh, blacks commit 80% of the murders in, the, in America. And uh, if you think that that statistic is racist, that, that uh, they're accusing blacks who don't really commit the crime, how do you deal with this? 85% of the dead bodies in America from homicides are black. 
So unless you believe there's an awful lot of of whites running around killing blacks, which there's no evidence of that happening, at least as far as crime is concerned, uh, you got to believe that the that this is a major problem in the African American community, and it's not racist. We're saving black women and black children from guns held by black men. Okay, is there something wrong with saving the lives of women and children? Uh, is there something wrong with doing that? And look, these stops are not intrusive. They do it at three in the morning in the middle of Harlem, and uh, they search them. If they don't have a gun, they move on. They're free to go. They're not put in handcuffs. If they do have a gun and it's not licensed, then they're busted on the spot. And that's what we should continue and do. So I'll take your phone calls about that uh, when I come back. It's 800-848-9222. Inflation is is back, and it's huge, and it's going to be the legacy of this administration. You cannot spend $2.2 trillion on infrastructure and $1.8 trillion on uh, social services and $2.1 trillion on economic stimulus without having inflation. And at the same time, you're doubling corporate taxes. You're doubling the capital gains tax. And when you double capital gains or corporate, every penny they're paying in taxes comes directly out of being able to pay additional workers or invest in additional plant and equipment to expand your production. If you don't have much production and you have a huge demand, inflation is going to go crazy. And the only way to deal with inflation, the only way to make sure that it doesn't eat you alive uh, is – uh, is by switching your investments to gold uh, because gold is the historical alternative and because of gold, you're able to skate over inflation and not have it destroy your retirement. So call the Patriot Gold Group at 800-356-4470. That's 800-356-4470. 800 356 4470. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. We're talking about the rescue plan for New York, which is the mayoral election coming up on June 22nd. And we talked about qualified immunity, uh, which is the protection police have against being sued every time they touch somebody uh, or uh, or even think about using their gun. Let's go to Danny, who I think is a retired police officer. Good afternoon, Dick. Actually, I was a lieutenant and uh, very passionate about this issue. I'll try to keep my Irish up uh, down when I uh, talk about this. Yeah, keep it up. My wife's uh, Irish. Yeah. My, uh, <laughs> and you thank know, my you for your service, police. Danny. Yeah. Yeah, well, don't worry. I was highly paid. My son is actually on now. And to say that the morale and the, is uh, through this sewer is beyond belief. These kids shouldn't and wouldn't do anything. And qualified immunity, uh, when, when the first thing they taught you in the academy is, is if you act, you will be, you will be indemnified by the city is if you are act, when you are acting in the scope of your employment and acting in the best interest of the city, you take action, which means I shoot a kid with a gun. The, the bullet misses the kid with the gun, hit the bystander. I, I, I can't be blamed for that. You know, it's terrible. A fireman driving a fire truck goes through a red light, runs, hits a car, someone dies. He will be back. A surgeon working in a city hospital makes a decision uh, and under pressure. Turns out, you know, he's back. Only the policeman now is standing out there naked financially with everything he does. And forget just use of force. 
Every single time a policeman makes an arrest now, and the arrest ends up at the district attorney's office, and they decline to prosecute, then the next stop is right to your lawyer's office and sue the city. Danny, it's hard to interrupt you, but it's worse than that. You don't have to be guilty. The suit doesn't have to be merited. Uh, The filing fees, the lawyer's fees, the court costs come to hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And just being sued is enough to ruin a guy's life, particularly if he wasn't a millionaire and didn't have tens of millions of dollars stashed away. So you're absolutely right, Danny. Thank you very much for calling. Let's go to Jimmy. Hey, Jimmy. All right, Dick. And, um, New York City, there's nothing wrong with New York City, like 8 million new Americans couldn't fix. It's obvious the uh, mayoral candidates don't take IQ tests for some of the things. But you bring up an interesting thing about, about the no bail. Uh, Carl Hastings and Cousins in the state legislature, they're the architects of this. They take no heed about this. Now, do you think Steve from Manhattan could become mayor of New York City? Yeah, well, I don't know who Steve is, but right. What's your point? Okay, well, um, let's go to uh, Jerry. Jerry, uh, you're on. Yes, okay. what I want to talk about is not a different subject. I want to talk about all the spending. If you have a credit card and you owe $15,000, you have three credit cards, but you move all the money from one to the other, you're still you're still spending the same money. And unfortunately... There's going to be massive inflation, and things are going up. I have five grandkids, and I worry about them. You know, they're between 14 and, and 6. you got every right to worry about them. And, you know, there's a misnomer. We say we're borrowing the money, uh, and our kids will pay it back. That's nonsense. We're not borrowing the money. Nobody's lending us the money. We're printing the money. We're making it up out of thin air. We're imagining the money. Uh, the money doesn't exist. Uh, it's not, there's, there's no gold behind the money. There are no assets behind the money. The asset is fiat. Believe that it's true. And if we all believe that it's true, and if the currency of every other country is just as screwed up as ours, so you can't go there, we'll all have no choice but to put up with it. Now we will have a choice. We'll have t- cyber currencies and barter and other things, but fundamentally they're ruining the economy of the whole world, and I believe you are headed for gigantic inflation. Uh, when you need check the price of something, you'll need to check it every day or every week because it's going to go up constantly. Uh, let's go to Andrew. Hey, Andrew. Hey, how's it going, Dick? And um, you're right, also, if I did that, just printed money, I would be calling you from a prison cell. But I want to say that you're always a straight shooter, so I was disappointed. Last week, you said how the African-Americans are disproportionately stopped or, you know, unfairly stopped. But you failed to mention that black men are only like 8 or 9% of the population, and they commit over 50% of them. The homicides in Chicago, there was 100 shootings in a three-day weekend. Yeah. Was- I, I just said that uh a few minutes ago, I was talking about that, and I said, yeah, uh, 80% of the people who were stopped and frisked may have been people of color, but 80% of the dead bodies are people of color, and 80% of the shooters are people of color. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with you, and it's very important that we understand that. Uh, let's go to Rich. 
Hey, how are you, sir? Doing good. How about you? Thanks for your service. Good. Thank you, sir, for taking my call. I, I want to put it in perspective. I don't want to sound like I'm bashing on the community. I am a retired law enforcement officer myself, and I understand the concerns. Coming full circle to the lawsuits, I think an officer who has been fired or about to be fired or is in trouble because they are being sued, I think they should be able to explore the possibility of suing the person that's suing them. Because in essence, the question is, what started the situation? Yeah, but, and, you know, look, look, the problem is that suing is a very expensive thing to do. Uh, and you're talking about three and four and five hundred thousand dollars if you're being sued, even if you're innocent, even if you're going to win the case, even if they'll throw it out of court. And cops just don't have those resources. So what they'll do is they won't take the chance and then sue. They just won't shoot. Uh, you might as well disarm the police and send them home and eliminate the police force as eliminate qualified immunity. It's that serious a problem. Let me ask you, would you shoot someone? Would you hit someone? Would you tackle them and push them away if it meant that you'd lose your house, your job, your pension, maybe your marriage? That's the stake we're talking about. Thanks for your call. So we're going to be talk, we'll be on the air next week, and uh, we'll talk further about this mayor's race and what's going on and the national situation that is uh, increasingly closing in on us. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. This is Dick Morris on 77 Talk Radio WABC. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.